over. Because I guarantee you from my own experience, that the more you read the Qur'an, the same verse will, will have different meanings for you as you go along. Be more meaningful to you in terms of why, why? Because the older you get, the more knowledge you accumulate. You sit here, you learn about Ar-Rahman, go to another Jummah, you go to your own Ustaz, you go to your school, and you find that all your accumulated knowledge brings a lot of new visions as to what the Qur'an really means. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to read the Qur'an often. That's number one. Because that's the meaning of Qur'an. If a non-Muslim friend should ask you, what does your word Qur'an mean? You will say it means something which is read often. So that is, and you should tell your non-Muslim friend, that is actually the first miracle of the Qur'an. Because when the Qur'an was revealed, nobody read the Qur'an. In Makkah, maybe 100 people, people read the Qur'an. Less than 100 people. The first converts were very, very few. But yet Allah SWT refers to the Qur'an as that which is often read. And when was that miracle realized? Now. Now we have 6 billion people reading the Qur'an every single day, every single minute of the day, every single second of the day, every single day, anybody, somebody says somewhere, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillah ar-Blah, also from the song. So it is the most read book in the whole world. It's come to be, from the time of Makkah until now, the, the most, so now the miracle of the Qur'an, that is an often read book, is now being realized in the world, and only who knew that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we come now to Surah Al-Rahman. Every one of us has some idea of Rahman. Rahman has some connection with the word? What? Hmm. Five-letter word. <laughs> Mercy. Hmm? We know that Rahman has a connection with mercy. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. The most gracious, the most merciful. So both these words, Rahman Rahim, as you can hear, come from the same root, Rahima, to be merciful. We also know that Rahman is an attribute of Allah. We describe Allah as Rahman and Rahim. It's an attribute of Allah. It is part of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is known amongst us. Allah is known as Rahman. Allah is known as the merciful, as we may say. We know that uh, that is an attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the question is, how is Allah merciful to me? To me as a person. How is Allah merciful? Right now. Right now, how is Allah merciful to me? Because it's meaningless to say somebody is merciful to you tomorrow, yesterday, in the Akhirah. What about now? As I'm sitting here now in the masjid. As I'm talking to you. Then we know Allah subhanahu mercy is now with us as you're sitting here. I mean, you're breathing as you're sitting here. You're not aware that you're breathing. Now that I'm telling you, you realize that you're actually breathing. Your heart is beating as you're sitting here. But you're not aware of it. And that is the greatest mercy of Allah. If Allah removes that mercy, you what? You're dead. Like somebody say, why? People always say, you know, but how did he die? From what did he die? And I always say, everybody dies from exactly the same thing. Your heart stops. If your heart doesn't stop, you're alive. Your heart stops. And who makes your heart stop? That it's an involuntary action. It's uncontrolled of who? Who works with the hearts of men? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the greatest mercy is your heart beating at this point in time. That you're alive. That you hear. That's why every morning, what is the famous dua Prophet said? We must make the famous dua that every morning after Fajr, you know this azkar that the Prophet made. 
People talk about dhikrullah, khadat, and hajat, and ruh, and arwah, and all kinds of names. You know, we have... But there are things which the Prophet did. There are sunnah things which the Prophet did. Things which will give us a direct link with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Things that we know are automatically accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it's done at the right time. In the mornings we say, Allahumma aafini fi. Allahumma aafini fi. Fi sam'i. Allahumma aafini fi. Basari. Allahumma aafini fi badani. La ilaha illa anta. Not long. Not a whole litany of books that you must read. And only the imam reads or the sheikh or the peer knows how to read it. And you just say, no, 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 no. What the Prophet ﷺ taught us is clips. Bismillah, tawakkaltu ala Allah wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billah. Another dhikr to read in the mornings. Hasbi Allah la ilaha illa hu. Alayhi tawakkaltu wa huwa rabbul alshraq. Prophet read that also. Allah is enough for me, hasbi Allah. La ilaha illa. Anta subhanaka inni kutub min al-dhalim. So many small clips that Nabi Sassam taught us. So Nabi Sassam taught us, Allah ma'afini fi sam. Oh Allah, give me health in my hearing. Oh Allah, give me health in my sight. Oh Allah, give me health in my body. La ilaha illa anta. There is no Lord except thee. In other words, there is no one who controls the... What do you call of hearing? The what of hearing? What is hearing? It's a what? Nobody knows. And sight and health of the body. So ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, how is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala displaying his, his rahmah, his rahman to you now? And yesterday and tomorrow. He's given you children, he's given you parents, he's given you friends, job, health, roof over your head, food on the plate. وَأَنْتَعُدُّ نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ Allah says, if you count one favor of Allah, Allah doesn't say if you count my favor, verse in plural, Allah says, وَإِن تَعُدُّ نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ One favor. Try and count one favor. Because I mean, the, the heartbeat is not just the heartbeat. I mean, the heartbeat is, before that heart can beat, so many other things has to be in place as well. So it's a whole system of favors which makes your heart beat. And if you count all that, Allah says, you'll never be able to count it. So stop complaining. Not feeling well, that, 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 you know. But you walk, mashallah, you talk, you can hear, you can speak. Say, alhamdulillah. So let's take Rahman, Rahman a step further. So Allah SWT is not just Rahman, He's just not merciful. He is Rahman, like Quran, can you hear the same? Rahman, Quran. Sihatul Mubalagha, the what form did I say? What form of the noun is that? The superlative form. So Rahman is also the superlative form. It is the most overwhelmingly merciful. Extremely merciful. Not just merciful, extremely merciful. And Rahman means someone who is doing something merciful right now. Allah subhanahu wa is merciful right now, 24-7, right now as I'm standing here and as I'm sitting here. I mean the fact that we're sitting here and listening to the words of Allah subhanahu wa is the greatest mercy. And we hear how that is the greatest mercy. Rahman means that which refers to something specific. If I say to you something, if I say to you, 
someone is nice. I say, you know, he's a nice guy. I say to you, you know, Muhammad is a nice guy. I like him, he's a nice guy. But nothing specific. He could have been nice to you a year ago, two years ago, yesterday. Nothing specific. He's a nice guy. But if I say, so, say to you that Muhammad is being a nice guy to me now, then you, you look and say, well, where is he a nice guy to you? Oh, I see. Oh, I see. He's, 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 just, he's just giving you a thousand bucks, I mean, as a gift. So he's being nice to you now. So Rahman means someone who is nice to you now, right now. And I've given an example of that. And if you read Surah Al-Rahman, unless you know the first word of the Surah, what it means Rahman, you will not understand Surah Al-Rahman. Because Surah Al-Rahman deals with all the mercies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In priority, from the, from the greatest mercy to the lesser mercies. So what is the greatest mercy? That Allah is merciful. That's why Allah subhanahu before He made the world, before He made you and me, before He made Adam, He created His throne. What did He write on His throne? This is the throne of Allah? No. You don't say this is the throne. No. What did Allah write? Allah wrote, Rahmati sabaqat ghadabi. Allah wrote, My mercy precedes my anger. Subhanallah. So priority number one in Allah's priorities is Allah's mercy precedes His anger. So Allah SWT says, Ar-Rahman. And Allah SWT makes Rahman a whole sentence. Ar-Rahman is a full stop in the Quran. Allah says, Ar-Rahman, full stop. Then Allah says, Allah al-Quran, the second sentence. Actually, one sentence, Ar-Rahman wa'allam al-Quran. It is the merciful who taught the Quran, but Allah says, no, Ar-Rahman is one sentence. Allah al-Quran is the second sentence. The second sentence is, Allah al-Quran. That Allah Himself taught you and me the Quran. Allah says, Allah al-Quran. Allah al-Quran. He taught the Quran. He taught the Quran. But you'll say, but Allah didn't teach me the Qur'an. The Mawlana taught me the Qur'an. The Sheikh taught me the Qur'an. My Mu'allima taught me the Qur'an. My mother taught me the Qur'an. But Allah says, He taught you the Qur'an. How? Because, you see, this is an important point Allah is making. And I want you to listen to this important point. The two important points. But the most important point is that Islam and Islam's beliefs and Islam's law, the Sharia, Sharia, comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have an iron chain that links every action of a Muslim to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if, that, that, if there's no link, it's not part of the Sharia. For example, if you, if, you, if you do the science of usul al-fiqh, if you, if you learn usul al-fiqh, what is usul al-fiqh? What is the science of jurisprudence in Islam? The science of jurisprudence teaches us how to extract the ahkam from the Quran and Sunnah. What is ahkam? Ahkam is what is haram, what is halal, what is mubah. So if somebody says, if somebody says something is haram, he takes it from where? From the Quran and Sunnah. It, it has to go right back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Because Allah is the Sharia of the Sharia. Allah is the lawmaker. That's why in Islam, in a truly Islamic state, we don't have a parliament. Why not? Because Allah subhanahu is the lawmaker. He is the Sharia. Everything must be traced back to the Quran. Of course, why the Sahaba and why the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, why the Quran? But it must be traced back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything. So if you say something is haram, it must be able to be traced back to the Quran and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Something is halal, it must be able to trace back. Not to the Nabi Sallallahu to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything must go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is the profession of the scholars and the jurists to trace the actions of men right back to Allah and Islam has this iron chain and in hadith it's called the isnad from, it's narrated from so and so from so and so to so and so eventually going back to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and where did Muhammad get it from? revelation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so the hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam is also from Allah everything has to be traced back to Allah so what Imam Shafi says has to go back to Allah what Abu Hanifa says has to go back to Allah Everything has to back. That is why they're all authentic and we all agree on them as an as an umbah. So which means that if somebody comes along and tells you that this is allowed, and you say, Can you trace it back to Allah? And you can't trace it back to Allah, you say, Sorry, brother. It's not part of the Sharia because it done doesn't come from the Sharia, the lawmaker and the lawgiver. And the lawmaker and the lawgiver is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, al-Qur'an. He taught the Qur'an. So we have a long chain from your teacher right back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Unbroken chain of knowledge. Now, if we say, if Allah says, He taught the Qur'an. But He doesn't say to whom did He teach the Qur'an. Allah doesn't say, عَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ لِلنَّبِيِّ عَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ لِلْرَسُولِ عَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ لِمُحَمَّدِ No, Allah doesn't say that. Allah just says, عَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ He taught the Qur'an. To who? Because if somebody says, I'm teaching, the second question will ask him is, who are you teaching? Then the third question is, what are you teaching? Maybe we ask, where are you teaching? So they say, we ask Allah SWT, who are you teaching? Allah SWT has left that open. Why? That is the third mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why did Allah leave the students open? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to us, every person has the right to become my student out of his own. Every person can take the opportunity of becoming the student of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah says, Allama al-Quran, I teach the Quran. Who wants to come and learn from, from me the Quran? That's the greatest mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, it is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, isn't it? It's a very expensive gift. Hmm? Imagine somebody says, imagine Allah himself says, I will teach you the Qur'an. Anybody can come to learn the Qur'an. Not only Muslims, everybody. Allah makes it open. Allah says, Allah al-Qur'an full stop. Not Allah al-Qur'an al-Mu'mineen al-Muslimin. No, Allah says, he teaches the Qur'an. So even a non-Muslim who opens the Qur'an will be taught by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah will guide him, if Allah will do it. So we have to make use of this invitation which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us. His gift. And if you honor the gift, what do you do with the gift that you honor? 
If it's something that you can hang on the wall, you hang it on the wall. It's something you can wear, you wear it, isn't it? You don't take a gift and put it where? On the shelf. No. You don't put it in your wardrobe. You don't put it... No, you, 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 you display it because you love the gift so much. If we love this gift, this great gift of Allah al-Quran, Allah says, He taught you. He's your teacher. He taught Jibreel, Jibreel taught Muhammad, Muhammad to the companions, and right down it came to us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah, therefore you find that the non-Muslims also have taken to studying this book of Allah for various reasons, many reasons they do it, but they've also, and especially since the time of colonization, when they started colonizing the Muslim lands, they wanted to understand the Quran, and so forth and so on. Many of them were led to, to Islam. My daughter just sent me a, a little photograph of a, of a white man, sorry man, Nice beard. Real blondie. So he's got his glasses, wearing glasses. I'm sure you've seen it. He's wearing the glasses. Glass got a blue thing on the end. And there's a little note that he writes. His name is Gold. Somebody. Gold. Sounds like the Jewish surname. So he says that he has put the whole Quran on his eye, on his glasses. So when he makes salah, he reads the Qur'an by looking into... You know they have this new gadget where you can read things on your glass? Since the whole Qur'an is on there, so he now he doesn't, he doesn't have to be half he can make the whole Qur'an, he can read it by looking at his glasses and reading it from there. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. He, he's, he's, in, he's invented this. So Allah has guided him. Obviously he became Muslim, he read the Qur'an and he wanted to do something and this is what he did. See how Allah guides. See how Allah guides. See how Allah subhanahu Not only the Muslim, everybody. See if the Quran can even guide and imagine how will Allah guide us if He guides the non-Muslims, subhanAllah. There are many stories how non-Muslims have accepted Islam. By reading one verse, they we know so many examples. Gynecologist reads what Allah subhanahu says about how the baby is formed in the womb. Man is a great scientist, he becomes Muslim. Allah's end of story. We were in the house of Islam. Imagine the rahmah that Allah Subhanahu gave to us, and how Allah Subhanahu guided the Sahaba and the great Muslim scientists to understand the Quran and to invent so many things by reading the Quran. So Allah Subhanahu in His mercy and His generosity has given us this gift. He's given us this gift of offering us to be his teacher if we want to be his student. Not because we did something. Allah doesn't say, well, you know, Faik is a good guy. He's a good man, you know. Or you, or Muhammad, whoever your name is. I'm going to give you a gift. Like your friend will say, people only give you gifts if you did nice things to them. Like your children, for example. You think your children give you gifts for nothing? No, no, no. They give gifts to mommy and daddy because you were nice to them. You're the mommy and the daddy, but you, you need something for them. But Allah's one of gifts are given nothing in return. Allah says, there it is. Not because you've done this or you've done that, no. So, Allah says, Ar-Rahman, Allama al-Qur'an, 
خلق الإنسان He created الإنسان But what did I say in the beginning? That Ar-Rahman, Allah prioritizes His mercies in the surah. So therefore we need to understand the word Rahman. The first one is Rahman, the second one was? Allaman Qur'an. He taught the Qur'an. Khalaq al-insan, he made man. So making man come before teaching the Qur'an? No. Allah says the greatest gift I've given to man is not that I created him. The greatest gift I've given to man is that, uh, that I taught him the Qur'an. That I taught him the Qur'an. Because it is the Qur'an that, make, that made man man. It is the Qur'an that made us human. Then Allah says I created man. Man is third in priority to the teaching of the Qur'an. And the reason we talk about the Qur'an often is because to bring me and you closer to the Qur'an. Because ultimately that is our salvation. Allah says, خَلَقَ insan. He created insan. What is insan? There's two meanings to insan. Many, many Jews give lots of meanings. And, but there are two basic meanings. The first is that the word insan comes from the word nasiyah. Don't tell me I'm going to end today at one o'clock. It can't be. It's impossible. It comes from the word nasiyah. Why are you smiling? I'm not going to end at one o'clock. <laughs> okay. The first is that the word insan comes from nasiyah. And the word nasiyah means to forget. So man was created from what? From forgetfulness. The, the biggest attribute of a human being is forgetfulness. Ask older people and they tell you. The thing that we fight, we, I mean me also, is forgetfulness. It's a battle that you can't win, unfortunately. It gets worse and worse and worse. For many people, of course, alhamdulillah, their memories are all good until the end of time. But for most of us, we have a problem. So Allah subhanahu says, man has got this weakness. And the greatest weakness man has is that man tends to forget. And Allah subhanahu gives an example. He says, when I created all of you, Allah says, I lined you all up, the whole of humanity, and I spoke to you. I introduced myself to you. And Allah says, I asked you a question. And the question I asked you in Surah Al-A'raf, the seventh surah, verse 172, Allah says, Alastu bi rabbikum? Allah said, I said to you, am I not your Lord? Alastu bi rabbikum? Am I not your Lord? And every single human being until the end of time answered in one voice, Shahidna. Shahidna. Shahidna means we bear witness. Ya Allah, we bear witness before you, we, you, we were sent down to the dunya. We bear witness that you are Rabbuna, that you are our Lord. And what did we do? As soon as we got here, we forgot. The history of man is replete with all the forgetfulness of man in terms of Allah. Allah had to send 124,000 prophets for one reason alone. Not to show us that he had a big beard or a kurka. No, 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 no. He came... Every prophet came with what message? To remind us only. Prophets are reminders. They only came to, to and Allah, the Prophet ﷺ reminds us all the time that he is just another reminder. A reminder of La ilaha illallah. A reminder of the greatness of Allah. Wa ma huwa illa 
Allah says this book and all the books before and all the prophets before came with one goal dhikrullah and dhikrullah is not haddad dhikrullah is the remembrance of Allah as the ilah of man and today we heard about one attribute of Allah subhanahu Rahman, the most merciful. So if we just take this one dhikr of Allah subhanahu to remember Allah as the most merciful, that we should also practice mercy. I just read today that a man came to the Prophet sallallahu when I was preparing the scripture this morning. Um, and he said, Ya Rasulullah, Prophet sallallahu was saying about how to treat your servant. How to treat your maid or your servant, the person that you, you employ. Because Nabi Sassam saw one man beating his servant. So he said, no, no, that's not how you treat your servant. Because Anas ibn Malik, we know he, Anas ibn Malik was the servant of the Nabi Sassam by choice. Free of charge. He says, I will serve you, Rasulullah. For 10 years he said he served in the Prophet's house. 10 years. He said, not once did the Prophet say to him, why did you do that? Why did you do this? He said, never the Prophet. Not, not once in 10 years did the Prophet say to him, like we say, why? I told you to wipe there, not there. He said, never. The Prophet never said anything. So this man came and he said, Ya Rasulullah, how many times a day should I forgive my servant? He's a clever guy because he said, well, the Prophet said 10 times, he'll count. So from 11, he'll start. Taking out the whip. Prophet said 70 times every day. A master must forgive his servant 70 times every day. And how do we trace? We trace that back to Rahman. We trace that back to Allah subhanahu Because Allah subhanahu is mercy in its most highest and widest form. And it's a, it's a sure way to Jannah. You know, that's why we come in to hear the, the shortcuts to Jannah. That's why we're here on a Friday. I've been bad that whole week. I'm going to get to Jannah before next Friday. So, the prostitute, subhanAllah, the bad woman, she saw, she was, she saw the dog circling around the, around the well. And obviously his tongue was hanging out and his saliva was coming out and she knew that it was. She went down the well with her. She took off her shoe and she took some water and she brought it up from the well and she gave it to the dog. And then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, she goes straight to Jannah. SubhanAllah. And you know that most of the hadith when it comes to animals and people going to Jannah is the dog. Most people will go to Jannah via animals will go via the dog. Because what have we done to dogs? We've given dogs a bad name. And we can hang all the dogs because dog is a dog, you know. Dog is something you kick, you swear at, and you chase away, and you throw with stones. don't clip, you know. This is this is Islam. Islam says, you know, the dog, the lowliest that you think is the enemy, the lowliest, straight to paradise. SubhanAllah. So next time you see a dog, you also see Jannah. No, I mean, really, no. If you're a good Muslim, you see a dog say, that can be my Jannah. Let's see, I'm going to treat this animal, you know. Like as if he is standing in front of the door of Jannah, and I have to go past him to get to Jannah. Subhanallah. That is Rah. That is Rah. So everything goes back to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala.
So nas, na, insan comes from the word nasiya, forgetfulness in the Quran was sent to remind us about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Insan also refers to the Prophet Al-Insanul Kamil, the perfect man. Allah created in Muhammad the perfect man. So there are two important words then in the beginning of Surah Al-Rahman. Al-Rahman Allah Al-Qur'an. Allah is most merciful, He taught the Qur'an. And then Allah Subhanahu says, what is the last verse now? What is the next verse? So you know, I heard about the dog. Allah Subhanahu says, He taught Al-Bayan. What is Al-Bayan? Al-Bayan refers to modes of communication. How we communicate with one another. I'm giving a bayan. Jamaat would say, listen to the bayan. The W Jamaat. Means listen to the communication, to the word that is spoken. But bayan in fact in Arabic means any kind of, all kinds of communication. And what does Allah SWT say about bayan in the Quran? Allah SWT says in Surah Al-Rum, the 30th Surah, verse 22, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ خَلَقَهُ As-Samawati And Allah subhanahu wa says Of my signs Allah signs Signs that point to Allah subhanahu wa greatness Signs that point to Allah's rububiyya That is His Lordship Allah says Of the signs that point to my greatness and my Lordship is the following That I created the heavens and the earth And then Allah says وَاخْتِلَافِ أَوْسِنَتِكُمْ and of my greatness is that I created many, many, many languages. And I created your colors, your different colors. So what does Allah say? Allah is saying that he by Chinese, Zulu, Koza, English, French. And yet you hear many people say, Engels is a Christetal. Hmm? You heard that? Who said that? Your mother, my mother, your father, my father, your grandfather, no other people, we. And who said going to school is Christetal? Remember that? Ali Kinnazid is school it. Titi. We talk about discrimination. Who, who's, who's, who, who the racist in this country? We. What did our parents say? Say, see, look van kliyeni. Aare se bichi, see, 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 anise se bichi flat. Today we shout from the rooftops. Oh, this one is racist. Oh, that one is racist. Oh, this one. We, we are the people. Shame, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all appearance and let it be recorded. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala But before we point the finger, start in our own homes. Maybe sometimes even today it still continues like that. 
So Allah says He created colors. The colors is part of the greatness of Allah Different colors of human beings, not just different colors. Different colors, black and white and cream and yellow. I remember when I started working as a social worker many years ago, I was very young. And uh, the people who used to come there to the office, when they wanted to see me, they would say, And you know, I always look at them and I say, Do I look yellow? Do I look yellow? But maybe that's part of the color that I have. Maybe I'm a little bit yellow. I don't know. So that's also part, that's also from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how would they recognize me? It's the khil manager. So Allah subhanahu wa says he created the languages, he created the means of communication. So of course we know that Arabic is the, the language. It is the language, but not the only language. You know, I remember a time, I'm sure a lot of you remember the time when you couldn't speak English from the mimbar. Remember? Not a single imam spoke English like I'm speaking to you now. Not so long ago, maybe about 25 years ago. I spoke Afrikaans and I started making Jummah Khutbas, uh, translating it, Afrikaans. That was the halal language in the masjid. Enosplatani <laughs> masjid. No. Subhanallah. And so maybe that is part and parcel of where, who we are, where we are. So how many of you can speak French? How many of you can speak Urdu? How many of you can speak, not even Arabic, how many of you can speak other languages, Zulu, Tosa, in our own hometown? It's because of that kind of mindset we were given. No, no, this is a, and this, no, no, no. Allah subhanahu wa says, all of these communications, communication comes from Allah subhanahu wa Because a Zulu Muslim, how does he speak to Allah? In Zulu. Allah doesn't have a translator. Or in French. No. Allah subhanahu recognizes all languages on par. And so it is part of the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Muslims to learn all the languages of the world. Sunnah. Why? Because it is, was part of the practice of Muhammad wasallam that he told some of his companions, you will learn Hebrew. The language of the Jews, the language of the Torah. Why? So that he could interpret to the Nabi wasallam the Torah. Some would learn Aramaic, some would learn Greek. So if you learn Greek or you learn French or you learn whatever other languages there is to learn or your child learns Kosa at school, don't think, oh, there's a SWAT language, you know. Or I can do not It's just as good as English. Part of the Sunnah of Muhammad So if your child comes home and he says, I want to learn French, say, MashaAllah, Barakallahu Feek. Part of our deen. This is part of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give inshallah that we, just to recap, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful and He described Himself merciful in the, in what form? In the superlative form. Meaning He is awesomely merciful. 7, 24-7. As we're sitting here, tomorrow and the day after. 
until the day of Qiyamah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the hadith in Bukhari, the Nabi says that Allah created divided mercy into how many parts? 100 parts. Allah divided mercy into 100 parts. And only one part of that mercy Allah subhanahu wa distributed amongst everybody on the dunya. One part Allah distributed. And Nabi sallallahu says, the least part of that mercy which Allah had given to the dunya is when you see a horse pick up his leg, raise his foot away from his fowl. You know, you've seen chickens do this. If you see a mother of 10, 12 chickens, she will never tamp on any of the chickens. She will lift a foot. If the thing is, she will lift a foot. Allah subhanahu says that is the least of the mercy of Allah And the other 99 mercies Allah subhanahu has kept for us for the day of Qiyamah. When we will need it. When we will need the mercy of Allah subhanahu Allah subhanahu will institute and revive the mercy. So that as the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said, no one will enter Jannah by his good deeds. Oh, I think, you know, mashallah, I make five times, Allah is compulsory. I give my zakah, I've just been for hajj. You know, for the last 10 years, I haven't missed a single hajj. Or, you know, people used to talk like that in the past. You know, okay, so the moment you think, oh, I've done, then you're in trouble. The moment it crosses your mind, oh, yeah, I'm a special person. Finish, end of story. So, Fatima said to her father, oh, my father, what about you? What about you? Are you, are you also not going to go to Jannah because of your good deeds? I mean, yeah, I mean you, you, you are the personification of good. 24-7 you're good. Are you also not going to go to Jannah? probably said no. Even I will only go to Jannah by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have so much to thank Allah subhanahu wa for. That despite all that we do, that's why I say, you should make Allah your friend. Speak to Allah. Ask for His mercy. Talk to Him. I know the psychologists won't like me to say this, but you know, why do we go to a psychologist? You know why we go to a psychologist? Because we can tell him what we've never told anybody else. <coughs> now, I always say, but what about Allah? Did you ever tell Allah what you, you know? He's the first person you must tell what, what you can't tell anybody else. In fact, he already knows. He already knows. You're just going to repeat to him. So that is what we should do first. Our first point of psychology should be of opening up and speaking is to speak to Allah Don't be afraid. Shouldn't be afraid. Say, how can I tell Allah? But Allah already knows. You say, I can't tell Allah that. But Allah knows already what you're going to say. So they talk about ventilation and catharsis, you know, in psychology. You know, you must ventilate and you must speak. And you, must, you speak to Allah Why do I say speak to him? Because ultimately everything depends on him, nobody else. Everything depends on him. Everything. 
Nothing depends on nobody else. There's nobody as important as Allah subhanahu Nobody. Not 124,000 prophets, not the Quran, nobody else. Nothing else. In the realm of belief and tawheed, there is only you and your creator. It's a shivering thought, but it's a fact. In this whole universe, there's only two instances, you and your God. You and Allah And if you can do that, fill that gap, then you made. What do we do? We don't fill we, 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 what do we do? We don't fill the gaps. We build bridges. And a bridge can be broken down. You know, say today you build a bridge, today you do this for the sake of Allah. Say, Ya Allah, today I'm gonna do this good thing and I'm gonna do that good thing. Tomorrow you don't do it. What you should do is you should connect, fill the gap, not build the bridge. And filling the gap means to fill the gap with the Qur'an. Get close to the Qur'an. Don't wait for Ramadan. Start now. So inshallah, don't forget the lecture on Sunday. MashaAllah, I was glad to see we had a couple of more people here on Sunday. So uh, hopefully, inshallah, we'll have a few more people on coming Sunday. Now don't come next Sunday when there's going to be no lecture. Because next Sunday is going to be Easter. I'm sorry, I'm also older in this country. So what will you say to me? Yeah, Sheikh, I was there, you know. That, say, yeah, Allah. Oh, yeah, I'm there, you're not there. You come once and I'm not there. So I'm telling you now, reading in advance. Wallahu ta'ala alam, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.